Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nickelback in. Nickelback in. Three old friends get together and then they start yapping. Nickelback in. Nickelback in. They talk about the internet, things I hated, and that is happening, baby. Nickelback. Hello, and welcome to Nickelback. I am Christopher, and I'm joined here with John hey. and Abram. Hi. And today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Harris. Harris, say hello. Hey, Nickelback and guys, longtime listener, first time guest. <laughs> cool. Nice. Actually, true. Excellent. Uh, so. <laughs> Where I like how you had to you had to garnish your true with actual. It's actually true. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not just podcast true. It's actually true. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. What what happens in Nickelback and stays in Nickelback? And um, <laughs> I hope not. I want the world to hear. Uh, well, currently we're sitting on three full episodes that haven't even been edited. So I know it's kind of uncomfortable. That's that's currently uh, yeah. You're joining the ranks of just this secret stash on my hard drive. <laughs> It's it's wild over here. I, I recommend everybody try it at least for a week. <laughs> so, Abe, were you the one who suggested this topic for tonight? Uh, yes, via Harris, actually. Okay, cool. So uh, Harris kind of like just wormed his way into uh, an episode by by suggesting this uh, particular topic. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you you talked about Guy Fieri. You talked about Nickelback. Talked about Taco Bell. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. But yeah, universally hated things that people actually still like. It's my band, the Chili's. <laughs> the Chili's. <laughs> so to be clear, are you actually a fan of them? Yes, I've been a fan of them since I was approximately eleven years old, and I'm now thirty-eight. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you that's a good run. Yeah, like well over half your life. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I've been to a concert recently. The last time I went to see them was 2006, and admittedly, I was more there for the Mars Volta than for them. Okay. But there was a period in my life where I was, like, first and foremost, musically, a Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, and in high school and summer college in a Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band whose only performance was at my high school talent show senior year. Oh, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, like that level of fan, like... Like they were my first favorite band, and for a long time they were my favorite band. Period. Wow, get out of town! And yet I am still a fully functional feminist woke <laughs> adult. Despite that, I want to preface everything by saying I 100% agree with anything Abe or anybody else has to say about uh, the politics of the Red Hot Chili Peppers or lack thereof. Listen, well, I, those I guys. Those guys came from a different time because no. I gotta tell, I <laughs> yeah. gotta tell you, like the idea of like a bunch of white dudes with songs on their junk, like just running around <laughs> naked, just with songs just so- socks. <laughs> socks on their junk. Oh, and like Abe and I are wearing right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. Abe loves those weird games. I <laughs> he's always talking about his weird little. Jo- naked they didn't games. let me join any sock games, John, when I was. <laughs> but. 
reindeer but like, school. If, if someone did that now, like just oh, like look at these skinny white dudes with socks on their junk, like people would be outraged. Isn't that just yeah. what like Post Malone is though? Like, isn't Post Malone just the 2018 version of a sock on your dick? <laughs> maybe, maybe Justin well, Bieber maybe was is. like the 2015 yeah, version of a like, sock on your dick. My my go-to defense, if if that's what I'm charged with here for for Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Well, let Positivity. me ask you. Yeah. Look, before before you get into the defense, yeah. As a true fan, do you feel beleaguered by like sort of like their modern rack, lack of relevance, or like do you feel like the the chilies are put upon? No, no. Okay. There was a time where I thought they were, but like. Like I'm not an OG in like 1982 Chili Peppers fan. I was two years sure. old, and yeah. I didn't I didn't grow up like aware of them until Blood Sugar Sex yeah. Magic came out, and my neighbor made a tape of it for me, and actually had to like CD skip fast forward the recording of the tape during Sir Psycho Sexy, the like super sexually explicit song, which I have a story about that includes my wedding <laughs> later. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> But, We're getting right to it. Yeah, I'll I'll get right yeah, to anything. It, it, and I've been doing research in the sense that I've been like rewatching all of the content from over the years that I grew up with, uh, like the songs and the albums I've heard enough to not have to like go back and listen to. Yeah. But I've been watching the behind the music from 1999 oh, that was on VH1. One. Oh, the yeah, re-edit really of it that came out in 2002. Re-edit? The, what the hell did they well, re-edit? They did it for Californication and was the big comeback. Wow. But then enough shit happened by the time they came out with By the Way in 2002. They had to do a new version of the Behind the Music. Yeah. And uh, and and the 2006 documentary that came out before Stadium Arcadium. The 91 Funky Monks documentary that I watched a million times with my friends on a videotape, a VHS tape. Wow. Uh, about the making of... Um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which I'll say, regardless of the music, regardless of this band, is one of the best documentaries I've seen. And I'm a film okay. Funky Monks? teacher now. Yeah, Funky Monks is incredible. I, I kind of uh, take umbrage with them. Out referring in 91? I, I take umbrage with them referring to themselves as monks, because those men are not monastic in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, for the recording of that album, they claimed to have been, that was the title oh, of the, the wow. song. And, and like they, they chose to focus their energy and for them, they claim it's very sexual energy on the album and nothing else. So that those <laughs> with wives or partners lived in the house with the guys who were single and nobody was out, out there, you know, using that energy on anything but the music. And that's why it's such a great, solid record. So says the lore of the Chili's. Wow. They just raging bold that. <laughs> yeah. They raging bold that album. Oh, my gosh. And the documentary is intentionally in black and white. So maybe there is a raging bold connection there. Yeah. Wow. This is this is nuts. I'm so I'm a I'm a, I'm drawn in. I'm enchanted by these tales. This like this is very reminiscent of like uh, Abe and I's sort of like watching the hype documentary a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, a ton of like or live tonight that, sold out. I live tonight of sold that. out. Yeah, punk absolutely. Bro. Yeah, just like yeah. watching watching that and like just feasting on every little nugget you could get about <laughs> mm -hmm. what those guys were up to and what was happening. You're like, oh my God, they did that where? Like that's, it's fun. Everyone, everyone has that like sort of first immersion with rock and roll, like where you just, you just, you can't get enough for of it. Yeah. I think that's just, yeah. I think that's awesome. I, it's funny though, like 
where where are you from? Like, because I I I've had a lot of people from Southern California and the Southwest say like, oh, yeah, when we moved up to Boston, like I got all this heat for like in the Chili Peppers, but like if you were in California in the past twenty five years, like you you went to a Chili show. So oh, I'm are, sure. you, are you from out west? No, you, I'm not. Or, I'm, uh, I'm from Connecticut. I, I mean, I, oh, I told Abe when I first listened to your coast podcast of New England. Yeah, <laughs> how how reassuring and and comforting and and feeling like home it is to hear Massachusetts accents. So I oh, yeah. I grew up in East Lyme, southeastern Connecticut. Yep. My dad's from the Bronx. My mom's from Providence. Spent a lot more time in Rhode Island and, and Boston. My grandfather was on my mom's side was a sports writer for the Providence Journal covering the Red Sox. So I was Whoa, at wow. uh, Fenway like a lot as a kid. So I grew up on the Boston end of Connecticut as opposed to the New York end of it. I kind of sure. fucked the Yankees throughout my childhood and. You know, took some heat for that because there were some yeah. bandwagon. That's like fans. You know there. what? You got to choose if you're in Connecticut. Yeah, that is like a like a choice that like every twelve year old boy has to make in Connecticut. It's like, yep. <laughs> am I gonna go? My dad's family or my mom's family? As far as the sports team rooting for, like mm-hmm. it really is the Mason Dixon line for great sports rivalries. It sure is. Well, I, I, I mean, my dad could give a shit about sports, but yeah, we it was all about the South. Yeah. Like, um, but no, yeah. I, I mean, I have a cousin that moved from Rhode Island to L.A. and is in the music industry and exposed me to how horrible <laughs> the Hollywood life is and, and, and visiting him and seeing how fake he and everybody he knows is convinced me oh. not to go into the film industry. Yeah, it's a real Californication uh, sort of situation out there. It, it absolutely yeah. is. If, if you're intending to go on Chili Peppers song titles throughout this podcast, please carry that banner for us because I, I, I thought you I'm were more referring to, to the television Dude, show, I can't stop. He's he's talking about Duchovny, right? <laughs> I also watched that whole show not because of the Chili Peppers yeah. song, which they didn't even use on the show. No, um, but I think they did like use Duchovny. Catholic schoolgirls rule, though. I think, I think Catholic schoolgirls rule was and definitely the, and the on that show. The first song they ever played in the show was uh, that other really sexist band, but from the '60s, the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Sexist and culturally appropriate. Yeah. So the godfathers <laughs> of whatever the Chili Peppers are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I want I want to acknowledge first and foremost that what they do, how they do it, who they do it for, and what they've produced doing it over and over again is indefensible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to defend the yeah. right of these four white guys to play. Sadly. A, tempted funky music and raps that are about like three different things and it's well, over the course of 40 it's years. also defending like 28 white guys too uh if you yeah. count all the guitarists that came in and out <laughs> yeah some of them and drum oh, man. they had a few drummers yeah 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 was it jack irons was he the other one yeah yeah he played for pearl jam for a while too yes. yeah after uh being a chili peppers drummer his his work in the chili peppers was never like upheld by by fans as like being the chili it's, peppers. it's not as, canon as much as the the history of like the band forming with hello slovak as the guitarist and his style is mm-hmm. the most popular incarnation is the one with john frusciante and, and chad smith and i that's that's the one that i recognize as as my chili peppers. that is the true canon chili peppers yeah like i yeah. think that's pretty like 
you yeah. know, unchallenged in the Chili Peppers fan community. So here's a question for you then, uh, because you yeah. you sort of made it sound like um, you're not as big a fan of the Chili's these days uh, as you were before, or yeah. that you're not paying as much attention as you once did. What was the turning point? For me, it was probably my becoming a feminist <laughs> and oh. having more women in my like life who are friends or partners or just people I worked with and respected and realizing like, oh, this band that was like cool when it was just me and my like male buddies is actually like not that great in terms of its approach towards women. And You want to give what to my mama? I mean, you know, that's like... That could be just like love and affection, but uh, <laughs> no, I mean, no, I mean, it, it really was a sense of like growing up, especially politically. Like, I think I only stopped actively listening to the Chili Peppers the more that I got into like radical politics. Gotcha, and and that became my life, and so things that yeah. were like directly of that got to still listen to Rage Against the Machine. I was just talking to Abe about Rage, you know, for as many shitty people that like embrace the fuck you, you won't do what you tell me, or you know, just the heaviness of Rage, you know, the whole frat boy stereotype about people that like ruined Rage for the true fans. Uh, the those lyrics are still the only anti-imperialist like radical politics you're going to hear on MTV. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's really depressing is um, if you if you're like scrolling through Instagram or something like that, and uh, I follow Tom Morello and uh, Brad Wilk, mm-hmm. and like just seeing all oh, the comments, like great. you just you can never read the comments because it's no. what are you doing following Tom Morello if you don't think it's gonna get political? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and if you don't know it's gonna be leftist politics, you know? <laughs> yeah, like you you've definitely missed a fucking memo, you <laughs> yeah. idiot. Yeah. You weren't really listening. Yeah. They just really yeah. liked that song at the end of The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> it was just about Neo waking up out of The Matrix and becoming bulletproof. Man, that, w- that would be anything really else? cool if um, Rage was, like, obviously super political. But they just had, like, a couple of random songs. Like, there was one about, like, fucking Frodo in the ring. And, like, <laughs> just, <laughs> just thrown in there with the rest of their shit. They'd be like an yeah. inverse Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh yeah, Zeppelin is all about Tolkien stuff, and I with think like, the Chili like Peppers one have political a few song. Too. Maybe. Now, here's a question: Chili Peppers ever go political? Okay, so the Chili Peppers, I think, have like played a lot of benefit shows. They were definitely in the Tibetan Freedom concert with the Beastie Boys, and I think Rage played that. I don't remember, but like they've, however, it's happened through like their manager or people that they know done a lot for causes that liberal rock stars support and but i don't think i've ever seen any straightforward political statement made certainly not by anthony kiedis but like even the stuff that flea has done even in the last few years on social media is just so like devoid of specificity that it's not even political like their thing is like they're so in their little world of being the red hot chili peppers best friends you know, like Anthony and Flea, they never seem to like directly confront the real world. Mm. That's that's an issue I take with up with them that like I've grown up being a fan of them. They don't seem to have grown up. No, I, I think yeah. that that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I kind of check in with them every now and then just to, you know, see how things mm. are going. And the, the last time I kind of I, I guess the last time I lost hope and thought that 
they would never grow up is when I saw it, they had a song called like Humpty Bump or whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just, it was, it was alarming to me because it's like, you guys have been doing this for over 25 years and this is what's, this is what you're putting out. Yeah, this is the best you can come up with. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't think right that one was on. Was that one on Stadium Arcadium, or was that even more recent? I, also, I, I a terrible was, title. Yes, also well, terrible. I, I think it was on Stadium Arcadium. That's the double, right? It, yeah. So, and you asked when I fell off. I think it was then. I think Stadium Arcadium is so many songs that statistically, so few of them are good. So uh, the albums are kind of blending together for me a little bit, but um, Stadium's the double one. So that's the one yeah. where they recorded 38 songs for it, and yeah. they were all released, which is mind-boggling to me that they put out yeah. that much information in like a year. Because uh, well, the, <laughs> they thought it was good enough to release. That's the thing. All of that in the past, they've always recorded songs that that were so good. They got released in other ways. Like everybody knows, "Soul to Squeeze." Yeah, that's that's a great that, song. That so was re- that was recorded so with good. Uh, "Blood Sugar Sex Magic." It's in Funky Monks. It's like they're even talking about the album with some guy that uh, is writing their liner notes. And Anthony, at the point that they're making the documentary, is saying, "Oh, you like Soul to Squeeze?" You know, as if it's a song on the album. It doesn't come out on the album, but it's on the Coneheads soundtrack you remember the the music video for that also shot in black and white fantastic um, is like a clown that's like a conehead clown it's only like thematically or however you want to say like nobody dan Aykroyd's not in the video it's not like ghostbusters where you know the conehead family is like soul to squeeze y'all you know it's 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 very like tangentially connected to the film but that song is every bit as good as any other song that was on the album. And then like, I didn't listen to by the way, which was the 2002 album. The one that came out after the big comeback with California, which which I'd like to talk about at some point, because that's actually my favorite of theirs. Yeah. For a while it was mine too. Cool. You say by what? the way, by the by way, the way. It, 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 you'll know it the song favorite? as soon as you it hear was. it and you probably hate it. Um, no fucking way. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I just got back into the Chili Peppers just a few years ago through Spotify, and I I looked at the deluxe edition because with Spotify they have the regular version of the album that was the CD that you had bought when it came out, yep. um, but they usually have like a repackaged version. You know, if it's on a big label, they have like a lot of bonus tracks, and there's like three bonus tracks on the By the Way album on Spotify that I'd never heard before and are every bit as good, but for some reason. With Stadium Arcadium, they didn't have any of those kinds of songs. Like they, it was the opposite situation. Yeah, they recorded everything up. and put out everything, and most of it was shit. My opinion. That's a. I, I feel like that's. I don't know. I feel like that's a '90s band thing, like releasing outtakes. Whether it's like having songs for soundtracks or other things, I guess like bands do that now, like Fall Out Boy doing the fucking Ghostbusters theme Ugh. or whatever. But <laughs> don't get me started on Fall Out Boy. You know, but like bands get asked to do that kind of stuff. But I feel like it used to be like you know because people actually release singles, so mm-hmm. it wasn't just dropping literally a single, like a single song. It was you know Nirvana releasing Smells Like Teen Spirit, which even in his youth was on, which was a fucking good song. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was a thing in the 90s where a lot of those bands were releasing singles with B-sides that were just as good as the songs on the record, but for whatever reason got cut. And the Beatles. And, the, you know, the 60s was all about A-sides and B-side singles. True. 70s, I think, was the album-oriented rock 
thing that kind of made B-sides go away a little bit. Yeah, that's actually been kind of a thing in general. Um, I remember it was Arcade Fire. Uh, The reason that the suburbs was so friggin' long is that their manager talked them out of doing any singles. Because he's like, oh, no one listens to B-sides anymore. So instead they released this like behemoth of an album that would have been a hell of a lot better if they had just cut like four songs from it. Yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Although it was a great album, yeah. it was, and it won a I Grammy. So, what does that mean? Yeah, it means um, someone's Grammy old likes like that. <laughs> they, they did get a Grammy, not for "Under the Bridge," but for um, uh, "Give It Away." Really? So uh, the two. I was just listening. I, I have to admit Grammy to you guys for, that for before away. before our first date, a, I cheated on you. Which I is listened, a damn good song. Yeah, I listened to a couple other podcasts about hating the Red Hot Chili Peppers and having a guest on who defended them. Uh, Just searching Spotify for a little bit of, you know, prerequisite research. Um, And, yeah, they were talking about it, which I had never heard before. But, yeah, Give It Away was the first single. It reached number one. It was their first number one, I think. And um, and it won them a Grammy for Record of the Year. And then Under the Bridge was the second... uh, uh, single off off of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and that hit number two, but didn't get the Grammy. And Give It Away is like the upbeat, fast, yeah, uh, rapey. Yeah, if you want to look at it that way, song and Under the Bridge is like the sweet. I don't want to do heroin anymore, but I'm going to about six more times and go back to rehab. So yeah, that's that's kind of shocking to me because between the two, uh, Under the Bridge is definitely the 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 more timeless song. Yeah. yeah, people are still singing that in bars, doing it yeah. for karaoke. It's a super catchy melody, and it's like very simply arranged. It's mm-hmm. a, it's it's like nothing else in their catalog in a lot of ways. Although I've yeah. got to say, the um, fucking always cracks me up is that Weird Al parody of it, uh, the Bedrock Anthem one, oh, and not yeah. not even the parody itself or any any of that, but just that one quick the shot of Dick Van Patten, that just Dick Van Patten standing there, like just beaming, a big grin on his face, always makes me happy. There was like a solid five years of Weird Al's art that included just having Dick Van Patten available. <laughs> like he was always on retainer by Weird Al for his videos yeah. and references. <laughs> That's very good. Um, yeah, so, yeah, by the way, it was probably my favorite. Um, I So when I was in high school, I liked the Chili Peppers a lot because I played bass. So that was kind of like mm-hmm. the rule. You liked either the Chili yeah. Peppers or Primus, and I did not like Primus. I didn't yeah. like either one. Oh, aren't you fucking cool? <laughs> oh, wow, hey. Who, I, I, who I, is I, the holier than thou bass player of choice? Mike Watt. Uh, yeah, I liked Watt. I was a Nirvana guy, so I loved Chris Novoselic wow. as a bass player. But uh, no, I liked Watt too. Yeah. But I mean, I listened to Chili Peppers and Primus, but I was not a huge fan of either. Yeah. So back then, um, that was like actually the prime time for me to be hearing One Hot Minute. Uh, because that album mm-hmm, like kind of yeah. worked alongside everything else I was listening to at that point. But um, yeah, that is my favorite Chili Peppers record. It's probably I, good. probably my second. I would have guessed that. Yeah, but, I mean that one is an anomaly for them in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, no, and it had everything to do with uh, good old Dave Navarro uh, playing yep. guitar on it. But um, yeah, I watched yeah, a, I watched a live Dave video of them uh, <laughs> playing in uh, in Philly, playing on that tour, and the. F- and the floor was checkered and looked um, like it was bubbling. Whoa. Like, I, like it was like tile and it was just so hot in there that it was like, you know, making kind of bubbles on the floor. But like the checkers made it look, and so it looked really kind of trippy. Making bubbles sounds like a euphemism. 
I think that's a lyric. <laughs> yeah, making bubbles. No, I see. I, I, I didn't come on mama. here to do my impression of Anthony Kiedis, which I have done. California I, bubbles. I, I said so, I was in a Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band. It was a three piece, and I played drums and sang. <laughs> wow, I'm not even joking about That's, that. That was in high school, but we also played like whenever we were home from college. That's pretty amazing. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I kind of fell off uh, for Californication. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I specifically just did not like most of the stuff I heard from that. Uh, but yeah, then randomly I heard By the Way, the song, and I heard something else from it after it came out. I ended up buying it and like just listening to it a lot. Like that and uh, yeah. Toxicity, like that summer, that, those are the only two CDs I listened to, which is Those insane. came out around the same time? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, to- so toxicity down, before. Right? By the way... Um, I, I I really don't like Anthony Kiedis after one hot minute. Like I, I he ran I, I out of actually, ideas. I hate I hate him. I hate the way he sounds. I hate the weird <laughs> words he uses. It's just like it's a real shame. Um, I had like one of those stretches with a, like a car that didn't have like an uh, an easy to use sound system, so I would listen to the radio a lot, and I would hear these Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. And I was, I would get fucking furious because, like, <laughs> underneath him, the music is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like this, like there's a so such a great interplay between the rhythm section and the and like the layers of guitars. It, ha- it like it was really cool, dark, brooding stuff, but like kind of moved. It was like great music, and then there's just fucking jackass, <laughs> just fucking gesticulating verbally over the top of it, like. Oh my god! Like it was, it was just, it's just terrible, and it just it makes it even that work that much worse my, that he's doing he's he's doing that because and still doing that. there's really cool music underneath it. It's just, and yeah. he's just he's just sullying it. That's that's what my guitar teacher at the time always used to say. Like around the time Californication came out, he's like, "You have a band who has like one of the best rhythm sections going." There's always a guitarist who knows what he's doing, even if you know he's not doing anything particularly inspired. Like he he works well with the, the rest of the band. He's like, and then you have the singer. He's like, it's got to be the biggest juxtaposition of like a talented band with a really bad singer that I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how he's lasted this long. Like I don't even know how he lasted at all. He's a character. He's a he's a persona that's like that's like larger than his singing ability. Like like you don't yeah, get a per- by he's as a, a personality. Singer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like the lyrics don't he's really like a mean fla- anything. He's like a flavor flav. Like flavor flav doesn't really add anything. Like, yeah, boy. That's exactly how he started. I mean, did did you Tell guys about Chuck? He probably read the same. <laughs> Yeah, there's no Chuck D though. That's the thing. There's no serious Tell like political. It, Flea. <laughs> Flea, Flea might be the closest they have to Chuck D, but yeah, they just have a hype man as the lead man, and Kick that doesn't work. <laughs> just the face Abe keeps making when he's doing this Flava Flav imitation is incredible. That's amazing. And he's wearing a big clock. Like honestly, I just I I don't know why, but next time I see Abe, I want to give him a cake with like a still shot of that face on it. <laughs> Here's your cake, Abe. Yeah, boy. (laughs) We we should definitely make Abe face shirt. (laughs) (laughs) But if you guys went into the the background and and research of, of the Chili Peppers history, that's how he started. They... Everybody but Anthony was in another band. Yeah, I mean, they were originally a joke band, correct? 
Well, the Chili Peppers were a joke right, band, right. but there was a serious band that was called What Is This? Yeah. And it was Jack Irons, um, Hillel Slovak, the guitarist, and Flea. And Anthony was the DJ that hosted the nights that they played at this club. I don't know, remember the name of the club. Might at some point even been the Whiskey, but um, it was an L.A. club. And and he would like tell jokes or rap a little before the band went on. And then they invited him up to to play with them but he was like their hype man and they had a singer but they ended up firing the singer hiring anthony and then uh they became the joke band of the chili peppers that you know actually got a record deal what a seems so strange, strange decision to make like obviously it worked out very yeah. well for them in the long run but man strange <laughs> also, well it's kind of fun at first but then at some point you like tap flea on the shoulder and like hey flea you're cool this new guy you brought that plays guitar, he's great. But can you, you got to tell Anthony to leave the party at some point because, like, <laughs> you know, he's a little much. Yeah, yeah. Some of some of their lyrics and titles are just like mind-boggling. Uh, all I can think of is that one from uh, I think it was was it on Californication, the one that had the word "cuntzilla" as like an actual lyric in the song. <laughs> oh, probably. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yeah, and it's like again, this is that, that's that was ninety nine. I think that album came out, and that's like yeah. you guys have been doing this for over twenty years. Over twenty yeah. years, you've had you've had some time to read a couple books. <laughs> I don't think they're the reading type. <laughs> no. Well, Anthony's uh, written a book. I read it as soon as it came out, and I, I was trying to figure out if I should re-listen to the audio book of it before this podcast. Ended up not. That's about how lazy I am. Did he? Uh, did he narrate it himself? No. <laughs> but it was an, when I looked it up on Audible. <laughs> as read by it, was Bill, it, was, it was Will Ferrell <laughs> as Chad Smith. I'll look it up it. if you guys want me to. But there, there is a, like a known actor who reads it. Oh, okay. and I didn't end up listening to it. But I'm, I'm sure it's funny just hearing it in his um, words. There's a, there's a new autobiography. Jeff Tweedy from Wilco is about to release and he reads it himself. Oh nice. I'm, oh. I'm gonna be oh, listening cool. to that like next week. So uh, the the performance that's, that's gonna be that's gonna be a boring ass fucking <laughs> audiobook. Agreed. Yeah and then I, I uh I made another album and played some guitar. <laughs> except, except there will be there'll be um surprise guitar interludes by Nels Klein which will spice it up a little, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, like a searing guitar uh, lead I mean, for five it, seconds. Uh, <laughs> is it is Jeff is there anything sounds. interesting about that guy? Like, is about it, Jeff Tweedy? I mean, yeah. he's yeah. he's made a couple interesting albums. Another yeah, black like, and white rock documentary. I'm trying to break your heart. Yeah, that's a taught great me a lot talk. about what that dude goes through. I I, oh, I yeah? think he was faking it though, the throwing up part. I don't buy that. I don't know about the yeah. I, he, I mean, I know he, he definitely up? got himself addicted to some painkillers. He has a pretty, like, long history of being, you know, like, pretty heavy with drinking. And then I think he's been oh. clean for the last, like, 15 years or something. Okay. Yeah, but I think yeah. there's just a when him and uh, medical issue. Uh, what, was, what was the guy's name? I can't think of the uh, the former. Uh, Jay... Jay Bennett. Jay Bennett. Yeah. yeah, there was a the bit when died? he and Jay Bennett yeah. were, like, arguing about something. And he's just sitting there taking, like, Jay Bennett's nonsense. And finally he's just like, I'm going to go throw up. And then he, like, just stands and leaves and goes to vomit. It's like, oh come Where? on, so that, come on. Much, that was fake. Come you, on, you're just. Uh, <laughs> I saw Jay Bennett live do a solo show at TT the Bears. Rest in peace. Oh, wow. both him and yeah. that place. 
Um, and he was in a bad way. This was like I mean, still a year or two before movie. he died. He looked like he. Was- I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, I never gone into them. Like I, I yeah. wanted to. Like I gave it a fucking the old college try, and it just. They have, a, they have a handful of songs that I really like. I like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot yeah. a lot. And I totally. like that record. And uh, Which most of the songs are in there, but I really, I really like the song Muzzle of Bees from A Ghost is Born. Yeah, Ghost is Born it's is the other beautiful. one that I like. Like, they yeah, had a good long run between... I mean, I love the albums before Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, but if that was like their big breakthrough that like got everybody listening to them, that, Ghost is Born, and then um, Sky Blue Sky is a really great album. Can't stand it. Impossible Germany? It. You're talking can't, about Nels Klein? Can't stand it. Oh, it's the noodling you don't like. No, no, I do like that. I like that song, but I don't like anything else. Okay. Know, some, that record just didn't do it for what, what, it, it, what, it, what would you say is Wilco's most controversial song title? Oh, um, I mean, their most controversial lyric is I dreamed about killing you again last night, song to his wife um, <laughs> uh, via Chicago. Yeah. See, uh, boring. Oh, yeah. This guy just like, <laughs> like every like you you could say it like it's cool. Like I dreamt about killing my wife last night, but that's a fucking Al Bundy lyric, you know. Unless what I mean? you sit like, vicious, Al you actually Bundy mean writes it. songs like that. Like <laughs> no pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I do kill her. Isn't it crazy that Al Bundy is still on television, essentially playing the same character on Modern Family? Is he? His, I've his, never seen he that show. Absolutely so I just is. need to clear something up right here. Um, his name is not actually Al Bundy. <laughs> oh, I know okay. that. <laughs> He's a Chicago guy. So he, if we got, if we went from uh, talking about Wilco to talking about uh, Ed O'Neill, uh, then yeah. I think it was a pretty lateral move there. Wait, I thought he was just the donut diner guy in Wayne's World. Oh, I was just. He did that. Reading, was it was. about? Uh, did he do? It was either one eight hundred. Collector one eight hundred call ATT. He did a bunch of those commercials, and he was also really? on uh, In Living Color um, when they did the like oh, yeah. your, mom, your yeah, mama yeah. sketches. Your mama. He was like yeah, the yeah. king of them, and they like yeah. they, they like wheeled wow. him out in like a lazy boy, <laughs> and he just like yeah, sat there yeah. drinking a beer, like saying them. I hadn't thought about that one eight hundred collect one eight hundred call ATT thing in a while, and I don't know about the baby boomers, but isn't it just? fucking strange by today's standards that we were inundated with commercials for collect call numbers <laughs> when we were teenagers and, and a little bit later how, how often like round robin how often did you guys ever like actually have to make collect calls never i did i did a bit i, I did it probably like twice yeah i've done it I, a couple times but no, there it were sounds like you have extensive like, experience there were a lot of commercials like a lot of advertising yeah. dollars went into it. that shit you did a shit ton why <laughs> Just straight, I'd call strangers too and collect, and I'd like, I'd, I'd do like a weird voice and then pick it up because they'd be intrigued. And then you have like an awkward sort of go back and forth, like a little bit of a repartee with them. And then, and that was you know, the same was, time that I was in five the- bucks, but they had a laugh, you know. My, my uh, my favorite, my preferred payphone to use was um, the one at Square One Mall. If you were going down that yeah. weird exit that was like to the left of Weechmere, there's this long hallway that went down, and halfway down there was a payphone. That's where uh, oh, I remember that payphone. Yeah, that's where me and uh, Did used to go to like make prank calls and shit. Yeah, or to call your mom to come pick you up when you were done at the yeah, mall. Yeah, usually both within a few minutes of one another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you guys into the Jerky Boys? Uh, I've I've heard their material. <laughs> yeah, did it I, inspire I you? I re- actually re- re-listened to a couple of them 
um, recently. This is like Red Hot Chili Peppers. This is why people still love them. Is like they're just a fucking time portal to the nineties. Yeah. Yep. Like we're just like yeah. Al Bundy, fucking. You know, we're just like popping around, collect calls. Like they are a time <laughs> portal to. <laughs> To well, the that's 90s. what's interesting. But I listened to the, the I listened to the Jerky Boys recently, and I was like, "Wow!" Like I thought this was so fucking shocking, uh, but like yeah. this is really juvenile. I, like this, I never is got just into them dribble. until uh, probably like ten years ago. Uh, Mike Woods got me into them. No, no, yeah, because he was randomly huh. like at age thirty decided that he was going to go through like a big fucking Jerky Boys kick, <laughs> and I was living with him at the time, so I was just like constantly hearing it in the living room, like being played on the big speakers. It's a life decision that affects everybody around you. Yeah, no. So that's wow. that's when I started getting uh, more familiar with uh, with with their um, body of work. Yeah, and the movie. Did you see the movie? Uh, the movie I have not seen. I don't recommend. You, it. okay. It's a, it's actually right up your alley, Chris. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just like, just, well, you like, Abe like takes food out of dumpsters. <laughs> like you take me, you take art out of dumpsters. Like, like Abe's like four week old hummus at the bottom of the Trader Joe's dumpster is like the the Jerky Boys movie so, is that. So you. actually, to wit, um, I watched a film earlier today called Condor Man. Are you familiar with this? Uh, oh no. yes, it's a Disney it's a film. Disney film. Yeah, with a budget of yeah, fourteen million dollars. And it's insane. Yeah, yeah it uh, came out in 81. And it has, um, what the fuck, Michael Crawford, the guy who ended up playing um, the original Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Uh-huh. He was the lead in it. And he just played this dude who was like a comic book artist who decided that he wanted to be like a secret agent and just kind of falls into like working with the CIA to, to like help a uh, Russian woman defect. Wow. It's really fucking weird. It opens with him basically, for all intents and purposes, about to kill himself because he's in like a winged suit of his own um, device that he's uh, wearing, and he plo- uh, throws the wings out, and then he dives off the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Is he sing opera? What's that? Does he sing any opera while he's I'm falling <laughs> to my death? He does not, but he does crash into the Seine pretty quickly. Perfect. Um, oh. Fortunately for him, the suit was functional enough where uh, he didn't hit the the pavement. Whew. But uh, his his buddy in the CIA, who, bold, uh, bold opening Disney. His yeah, his his buddy in the CIA is played by uh, the dad from Teen Wolf. So that was kind of an oh. exciting little. I love those. Oh. So John, I think that's why I really like watching these movies is those little gets like that. Where it's like, oh yeah. shit, that's what you were up to a few years before Teen Wolf. Cool. Yeah, maybe next time I'll see what you're up to after. <laughs> I think Chris, if, if that's the alley that things need to be up for you, you should see uh, "Never Too Young to Die." Have you ever heard of that? Uh, I mean, a young John Stamos. Oh, is that the one with an old Gene yeah, the Simmons one with Gene, from Kiss? Yeah, Gene Simmons, and he's a he's what? a hermaphrodite. Gene Simmons. He's a hermaphrodite what? serial killer in it. Correct. It what? is bonkers. Yeah. I only know about it because of a podcast called How Did This Get Made? Yeah, no, I'm familiar with the podcast. Um, my brother's yeah. been trying to get me to watch that movie for a very long time. Um, it's on Amazon Prime for free, so you don't have to spend extra on it if you already oh, have Prime. Man. It's well worth the watch. Vanity, isn't it? Okay. You know, right coming off right of being uh, Prince's protege. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, no, that's one of those movies that's just, it, it makes no sense as to why it existed. I guess, I, I could see Gene Simmons just funneling money into it, though, because he's like, oh, this person will cast me in a movie, so I will I will funnel it. 
I will, I will the whole thing it. was filmed in Gene Simmons' backyard. That would be incredible. Yeah. I, I, um, there was such like a, like a strange, fantastic, like undercurrent of cinema in the 80s, like just oddball and like really whimsical and like, just like, just like, I, I don't know, like it's just really way over the top in a lot of ways, but like also having like a strange grittiness to it. That was it. Excess. The whole yeah. Wall Street, you know, yeah. greed is good thing was, you know, Hollywood was saturated yeah. with it. You ever seen the Key and Peele skit about making Gremlins 2 where they're in a pitch meeting <laughs> no. and the Hollywood sequel doctor comes in and is like, you pick a Gremlin and you pick a Gremlin and you pick a Gremlin and they're all definitely going in the movie. And everybody just names these crazy ideas for Gremlins that are the actual different gremlins in gremlins too i tried to watch that um within the last couple of years and man it was hard i got through it but it was it took effort to actually sit there and continue watching that movie hulk hogan is in it yeah he is there's a lot yeah. of people that and are talks in to it. the audience in a movie theater watching yeah. gremlins yeah no that movie the breaks movie. the fourth wall several times <laughs> it's really oh, fucking I about that. <laughs> i love it it's incredible like, i'm exactly like like none of the stuff took itself too seriously it yeah. was like it was like, yeah, like, I don't know, kind of messed with convention. I don't know. Did you ever see? Almost like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, they're yeah. a product of the 80s. They are. Yeah, totally. Very much so. I mean, yeah, all those rapey screwball comedies, like all those like strange, I don't know. The, they're, like, they're the porkies yeah. of bands, I think, is what you're getting at. <laughs> the, por the, yeah, the porkies of, of 90s music. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's 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 a good old time until you start thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you just you, it's kind of yeah, like hanging out with somebody really racist and be like, "Oh wow, I just hung out with a really racist person for a while." I was yeah. having fun drinking beers and like you know playing darts or something, but the shit they were saying was awful. <laughs> Yikes! It was fun darts though. Yeah, yeah. And I don't regret it. They were playing some good music when we were playing I darts. don't regret the darts. I regret the comments. <laughs> I mean, I was telling Abe that my thesis for being a defender, if that's what I am, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers is they're no different in a lot of ways from whatever you and your best friends from high school's thing is. They're best friends from high school, and they've just opened it up to sharing with whoever thinks they're in with their in group so yeah. that it's like that's your buddies like oh flea and anthony what are they doing right now oh he said that that's crazy he's so stupid your friends do stupid shit all the time and you're like yeah that you know they're stupid but they're they're my boys and they even have a song called me and my friends that they play at the end of every concert that like you know and it sort of includes the fans from a marketing perspective that's probably the most brilliant thing but how different is the chili peppers and their fans from like you know People who are really into Fugazi, who saw him a million times, you know, um, they, Fugazi's political, I, but I, I, I think there's a good, good yeah, pretty <laughs> good, big, pretty big difference there, man. Important note: there's at least a forty-seven dollar difference in ticket prices, too. Yeah, <laughs> at least. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever references to stuff that made you laugh when you were a freshman in high school that your friend that only a couple of people can make. I have yeah. two best friends from high school in Connecticut. We're all in different parts of the country and we have a group chat 
and somebody could say like two words and it means something so specific that happened to one of us or involved one of us or all of us that it gets us all laughing while we're at work. Um, but, uh, you know, only during my prep periods and lunch, (laughs) um, I'm a teacher as well. Uh, but, but the chili peppers are just a whole bunch of albums, videos, uh, you know, documentaries, concert experiences, and some news articles about people. And they've been through shit together. They've they've had one person die from a heroin overdose. Two people have to go to rehab multiple times for heroin addiction. You would think these heroin addicts would be making much more artistic, beautiful music and art, but you know, yeah. Just well, not that heroin good. addicts are fucking lazy. So <laughs> yeah, so they just make the same song over and over for thirty years. Hey. I don't know. Like, I think you're. On, I think you're on to something. Like, there is something very, like, honest about the, the, them. You know what I mean? Like, despite me not liking some of it, like, it's like mm-hmm. it, I think they do have like an honesty to them, and and there are times where they kind of put on like an act or like there's a little. It's a little bit different, but like. You kind of know where you stand with them, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of get. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, it's just kind of that eighth grade vibe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was I was in sixth grade when my neighbor, slightly older neighbor, made me a tape of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. He he knew enough to uh, skip through some of the worst lyrics. Not worst by like, oh, those are bad lyrics, but like sexually explicit, like describing things that I wasn't even learning about in health class yet <laughs> kinds of lyrics. Yeah. Uh, that, so especially the songs for Psycho sketch. Sexy. Anthony Kiedis is just your health teacher. <laughs> I mean, great health teacher. it was anatomically know, correct that's, that's most on, of the time. That's on CBS's fall 2020 season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> season AP two of bio. AP bio. With, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got rid of uh, Dennis and replaced what him with Anthony What do you get Keynes. when an aging rock star <laughs> teaches a class full of misfits about their own bodies? Lawsuits. Ketis goes to school. Now, I will say one thing that uh, that I, I kind of am okay with them for is that they have never taken themselves too seriously. They've always been more than happy to be the butt of a joke. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example. Um, the Simpsons, when they have the whole bit about changing the lyric to what I want, I want to hug and kiss you to be like more family friendly. Like, yeah, I, I like that angle of them where they're, they're not afraid to, you know, be the butt yeah. of a joke. And that was really cool because it was a reference to the doors. Yeah. That really happened to the Doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Light My Fire, yeah. 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 Although I will say they, they do take themselves serious enough where Anthony Kiedis has a long-standing feud with Mike Patton. Yeah. That, I don't know really? enough about That's this. super weird. Yeah. Oh. So, like, it was a Mr. Bungle you know, versus Chili Peppers thing, right? No, it was a, it was a Faith No More versus Chili oh, Peppers thing. Oh, was it? Okay. Originally, oh, yeah. Because when he started in Faith No More, they released some video where he was like copped there, his style, Anthony he is his style, and he was kind of rapping, sort of. And yeah, the video. And, kind of, um, I don't remember what video it is or for what song. Um, but yeah, you want it all and you can't have it. You want it, it all, but, it, but you was he wearing in the video? It was like something about more like his look and what he. You're talking about the song "Epic" and the video for yeah, yeah, that. That was like their biggest hit, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's kind of he's kind of key to see in that. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe it's that one. They came out of the same scene too in LA. Yeah. 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 yeah but apparently it like, um, yeah. He just like they can't stand like Anthony Kiedis can't stand. So like apparently they were supposed to play so Mr. Bungle and Red Hot Chili Peppers were on a were on a festival together and Anthony Kiedis got them removed. Oh, what a dick but, movie. Like, but, yeah. But like. And they they were had already like planned to play there and everything and like Trevor Trevor Dunn the bassist who's like played with the Melvins and mm-hmm. Fantomas and has his own group and is like you know a great bass player um, was like yeah like this stupid feud like basically cost me money and like hurt my life it's like, it's it my sucks life because like it obviously shitty. it's obviously a very big inconvenience for them. Um, like financially yeah. and otherwise, but the people that are really fucks up are the people that are attending the festival. Like that's who he's really fucking with by doing that. He's fucking with uh, yeah. a lot more people than just the band, and it's just it's it's shitty. It's petty. Well, and what also sucked was uh, you know they thought it was just the chili chili peppers, and then they c- talked to the manager. The manager was like, no. It's just <laughs> that's that's it's wonderful like too because like it. the the way that uh, a manager works within the industry is that one of their key roles is to be the asshole. So yeah. they're the ones who are the bands like, oh sorry man, my manager won't let me do fill in the blank. Like they're always the yeah. excuse, but the manager yeah. there is just like, nah, I'm not falling on that grenade. Yeah, no, he's just, yeah. just like, no, just to be clear, it's just Anthony Keys. <laughs> You know the uh, the Chili Peppers logo. My friend has it tattooed. It's like an asterisk. Yeah, and it's like you know a lot or of Kurt Vonnegut's asshole. Yeah, I was gonna say it, or it, a butt. It's, it's been called by Anthony Kiedis the Angel's asshole, but it's it's kind of fitting that fans of the Red Hot Chili Peppers that are a big enough fan to get the tattoo essentially label themselves with the <laughs> international symbol for asshole. And I was listening to somebody else talk about it because she had gotten one. And somebody thought that she was a, a paramedic because <laughs> it looks enough like yeah, the yeah. Uh, paramedic symbol. And then somebody mm. else said, you know, it looks like a tattoo that you get to cover up a swastika. Why the fuck? Because oh. the shape of it is like such that it would easily cover yeah, up yeah, yeah. the shape of a swastika. So if somebody has that tattoo, they're either an asshole, a paramedic, a Chili Peppers fan, or a recovering neo-Nazi, or some Venn diagram that includes some yeah, of those can, things. Yeah, it can be more than one. Uh, yeah. What I find very interesting is that there's someone out there who thinks that people tattoo their profession to their body in some way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. some do. Maybe, I mean, uh... Uh, my yeah, friend that, that got that tattoo. tattoo. That's not that's not like a fucking like picture of like a blackboard. <laughs> yeah. Just, right. Abe's I have an apple with a, Abe's got a standardized test tattooed on his back. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. have an apple with an, a pencil through it. Every <laughs> year I fill in one more. I have them fill in one more answer for <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, it'll say abacadabra before you know it. <laughs> I w- uh, my friend that got the tattoo is the one I wanted to tell the story about from my wedding. If this oh, is oh no no time. please do I'm yeah. I'm curious good, about this. Good bring back so so I grew up with these guys literally since middle school. Like I think our, our town was small enough, but uh, small but big enough that had uh, three elementary schools, and I think me and these two guys went to each of them and then met in sixth grade right around the time I got into the Chili Peppers. Listened to the Chili Peppers enough. We're obsessed with Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Then we were in sophomore year when One Hot Minute came out. And that was kind of the first time we fell off. We were like, it's good, but like it's not as good. And we were just still watching Funky Monks and not really like moving on with the Dave Navarro of it all. But um, we still would 
get together and jam. One played bass, one played guitar, and I would do the the drums and attempt Akita's impression. And we we played out and ended up playing a couple songs at our senior talent show. Went off to different states for college, ended up settling in different states. And then at some point, he got the Chili Peppers tattoo, but he was the only one. He was expecting the other two of us to get it. (laughs) And he was like, all right, guys, where's yours? I got the angel's asshole on my wrist, and I'm, you know, did, wow. did he refer to it as such? Person, no, maybe once, okay. but no, <laughs> it's the Chili Peppers logo. Some people get it with the words, like it originally appeared on their album with the the with name the of words, the band written the around the name it, of the yeah. band around it. Yeah, but he got it just as the thing, as the, the asterisk thing. Um, but he, I think, really expected the other two of us to get. Did tattoos. he like, tell you? Ahead yeah, was this time? Yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, I'm gonna get the tattoo. Well, I was I'm like, "Great, man, it. go okay. for it." I thought he got it and was wow. like, "Where are yours?" <laughs> and uh, to this day, I'm I'm untatted. I have zero tats. That's, that's why Bury every time Jewish got cemetery. the tattoo, I got the same tattoo as well because I thought it was just expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, if you if you like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you got to get that tat. But uh, he he and I, you know, have a shared love of the band, much more so than the the other friend. But like, we don't see each other a lot. He's in Boston, I'm in Philly, and I, I mean, you guys know how hard that is in a long distance mm-hmm. friendship, yeah. um, specifically. Uh, but then he came to my wedding, and we did a little after party in Atlantic City, and went uh, rented a, a booth in a karaoke lounge there. They have it's kind of like Yakitori Boy or a similar yeah. place in Boston, I'm sure, in Chinatown. They have it in the Tropicana. It's a place called the um, something Rose, Planet Rose. It's a dumb name. Uh, but they, they rent out karaoke booths. And it was late in the night. We were all hammered. Um, you know, we were having fun. I sang a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs to my wife. She's from Jersey. So I was like pretty much ruining my voice singing Born to Run. And I was like done for the night. My friend, super drunk takes whatever controls away from anybody else that was going to pick a song and puts on Sir Psycho Sexy, which they happen to have, which Ah, is the said song so explicit that my 14-year-old neighbor, who himself was a young teenage guy, skipped the the song through, like recorded the CD skipping through most of Sir Psycho Sexy. And my friend wanted to play it at my wedding after party and sing it. He's like, come on, come on, we're going to do it. It's the Chili Peppers. And I skipped it and he got so angry at me. He stormed off, went down to the casino, found out later he stayed up like drinking until like 4 a.m. and eating pizza and playing slot machines (laughs) and wasting his money. Wow slowly like dragged his wow. ass to brunch the next day when we were all like at the the hotel getting brunch before everybody hit the road and he didn't even remember what had happened i was like dude you got mad at me over chili peppers but it just wasn't like a family friendly song to like do for a wedding after and if party you both had the tattoo that's when you would have touched it together and yeah. a bright light would have shined and a rainbow would have appeared and well, anthony kiedis would have crawled i out i'm the looking at these lyrics for the first time in yeah. my life right now and wh- wow, why don't you just read them in your deadpan voice, sir? Psycho, I'll, I'll do. I'll I could recite oh, them. From I'll memory. do a couple little uh, little snippets here and there. Yeah, uh, deep inside the Garden of Eden, standing there with my heart on bleeding. There's a devil in my dick and some demons in my semen. Good God, no, that would be treason. Uh, uh, creamy beaver, hotter than a fever. I'm given because she's a receiver. I won't and I don't hang up until I please her, making her feel like an overachiever. Yeah, this is uh, there's there's a lot of this. It's talking about him getting pulled over by a woman cop, and guess what happens next? Yeah, wow, yeah, this is he uh, treats her with respect. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's Anthony Kiedis. Actually, so the, you can, the, it, it's a rare instance of the cops treating somebody else with respect. Mm-hmm. I don't know because uh, she stuck his butt with her big black stick. That was disrespectful. Yeah, because I mean, and he know, he responded the way you would he, imagine. Does, he said, "What's up? Now suck my dick." <laughs> so I'm hearing you say these in the the light of sober, plain day <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> Like just speaking them in like a, a, a reading voice, and I am so embarrassed for ever liking this song and now going on your podcast defending a band that I wrote those t- lyrics. I gotta tell you, I'm kind of I'm taking the opposite sort of framework here. Like I'm a little drawn towards it. You know what's interesting? That sounds like a fun little romp. That song. <laughs> what's What's funny to me is imagining Anthony Kiedis at age like 25 or whatever he was when he wrote this song, sitting there with a notebook and like just kind of like looking off yeah. into space, just staring at nothing, and then just like <laughs> got it. And then like he writes down the next line about like the the got squeezing it. beaver or whatever the fuck that line was. <laughs> <laughs> just like real artistry it, mode. But yeah. the, the thing you were saying about how the worst thing about them is Anthony and behind them is like an amazing rhythm section and, and the guitarists like the end of that song should be its own song. Cause if you've ever listened to it, yeah, there's this like, like beyond explicit, like beat you over the head with like machismo sexuality. It is somewhat concerned with women's pleasure in a way that other sexist stuff wasn't at the time, but that's not, a redeeming quality of it. But as soon as like the lyric portion of that song is over, it goes over and it goes into this chord progression that they play out to with like increasing intensity and like a mellotron playing over it. And it is some of the most beautiful music I have heard. And I'm not going to, you know, uh, pretend that that's not how I feel about that song. So it's such, it asks a lot of you (laughs) as a fan to say, here is this beautiful music. Here's this funky beat. Here's this, you know, awesome bass line, this, you know, this music. And then the, the, the they call it the Beatles part. If you see them talking about it in Funky Monks when they're writing and recording the song, they, they call the ending of that song the Beatles part because it's reminiscent of like a Beatles kind of sound with Mellotron and like a pretty open chord kind of thing. They play it out for like three of the five minutes of the song. Only two minutes of that song are him doing the sex rap. But yeah, you can't play that for a music student and be like, oh, you got to hear this song. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. They started off as a joke, and Anthony's thing as a hype man was writing sex raps. And on their first album, they have a song literally called Sex Rap. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, the, every album. Honesty, you know. That album starts with a yeah. political song, too. Yeah, you had asked about if they're political. They have a song called, if you're going to be reading Chili Peppers lyrics with a... Uh, robotic voice you should um you should read uh that wasn't robotic i don't know why i'm taking a shot at you but uh it's because we're new england no 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 kids. shoot away yeah, what, what do you, what um, you got yeah, josh around the first song on blood josh sugar Ra- sex magic josh power Ra- of equality read the lyrics to that because i had forgotten about this when you asked if they oh, were yeah, political they're one big mob oh yeah oh yeah that that's another one power of equality though I don't think there's anything sexual in it. No, no, there yeah. is a dick thing in it. <laughs> yeah, we didn't think he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's you know, he's, he's he's taking a stand here. Yeah. Right or wrong, my song is strong. You don't like it? Get along. Say what I want. Do what I can. Death to the message of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's yeah. taking a stand. 
He's encouraging people to get their swastika tattoos covered up with an angel's asshole. (laughs) (laughs) There was something like, I don't know, like hip hip hop people, like hip hop music has like a lot of like overt sexual braggadocio, if you will. And uh, I think that like he was just kind of rip, ripping on that, like of course, yeah, I think you know. I think very much what I think he's and and like part of me, you know, God, God bless him. Like wh- whatever, get it out, <laughs> get it out. Whatever you gotta do, man, <laughs> just get, just get it out there. Do some what you gotta do. To just some of it's an L.A. thing too, right? You know, yeah. like L.A. is just very image focused. You know, body focus. Everyone's just talking There's about a lot of sex squeezing there. those beavers. I gotta be honest, they haven't really made any like sexy rock music in the past ten years. Like, there's not really like any like like sexy, dangerous songs or like songs about about that stuff. Like, it's it's like a lot of sad bastard music and like weird, like ironic songs about like abstract stuff. Like, there isn't a shit ton of like just like fun sexy times going on in rock and roll (laughs) that's what sucks about nickelback too though like because i had never really even tried to listen to them until i heard your podcast and i was like all right what's this feed the machine shit like (laughs) i gotta hear it just to be able to hate it you know like and and like coin for the ferryman first of all (laughs) you paid another coin to the ferryman there there doesn't seem to be the history that the Chili Peppers have with each other as friends behind what Nickelback does. It, it seems mean, like they are get, yeah, two of them are brothers. brothers. <laughs> two of them are brothers. They don't have any history. But, but how often do they even hang out? And, 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 and it just seems so easy to be the Kroger brothers. But the other thing is, even when they're trying to be like kind of sexy or whatever, like there's a song that's like probably about cocaine, the She Keeps Me Up song. And... Uh, that's not even anywhere near sexy, even if it is supposed to be about drugs. They actually like have a song called S-E-X, and it, and it isn't sexy. Yeah, it, it's what you're talking about. Well, like, you know, bassist Mike Kroger isn't sure and doesn't really care why people don't really like the band, but he has some theories. Uh, this is coming to us from the Herald in Australia. Uh, it was okay. published uh, actually on Friday. So, Beautiful, hot off the presses. Oh yeah, hot off the presses. So Mike Mike Kroger has this to say: When you start out as a band, you want everyone to know who you are and to recognize what you're doing. That part of you, the, um, the part of you that you don't prepare for, is that just because people know who you are, they're not necessarily going to like you. But it's something you get used to. Timing is also a factor. He says, getting warmed up. Uh, I did not check to see how long this is, but if it gave me that, okay. if it gave me a fucking warning, then I'm a little worried. That's all right. When we first got started, it was right in the middle of the file sharing revolution with Napster, and I really feel that without that, we wouldn't be here right now. Also because of September 11th, but that's me, not him, saying that. Uh, it was a very new thing, and not everyone liked it, but I think a lot of people found out about Nickelback because of it. And when? Because of 9/11. Uh, so that is my personal theory, uh, because of the band list of songs that Clear Channel, uh, put out when 9-11 happened, uh, the songs that were above How You Remind Me on the Billboard charts disappeared, uh, because they were no longer allowed to be played on Clear Channel, uh, stations. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so that's a a working theory of mine that, uh, I, I think has a little bit of, has, has some legs. It was an inside job by Nickelback. Yeah, yeah, they they probably which is an outside job because they're Canadians. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I can't really say what kind of job it was, but I think it was a Nickelback job. 
I had a Nickelback job once. <laughs> See, I, I don't even want to make like sexual jokes since we're yeah. reading the lyrics of for Psycho Sexy. I just feel like well, I need we a can. Well, now we've you've proven that it, it influenced you because yeah. um, that was a that was a tasteless that was a tasteless joke. <laughs> Sex workers everywhere feel are demeaned and intimidated by that man. We really missed the boat on Nickelback. Uh, we definitely should have seen them when we could because now they're in Australia and. I don't. I know we fucked. I don't up know when hard. they're ever gonna come back. They they might just Dude, like they we might had just two. There. We had two, three shots at that, and we fucking blew yeah. it. I'll take blame. I'll take blame. Yeah, actually, okay. Like, I know you all have kids, but go to Australia. See Nickelback there. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So actually, that that brings me up to something else that I want to discuss with you guys. Um. We got an email for the first time in the history of this podcast, and uh, I wanted to <laughs> to read this email. Uh, you oh, guys, you guys shit. have seen it before, but I just want to make sure that everyone who's listening to this podcast, uh, especially the the individual who wrote it to us, uh, make sure that they have the chance to hear it uh, said aloud. Yeah. The subject is greetings and salutations from the UK. You know that place with the apparently shit food, and shit is uh, cleverly spelled with an exclamation point uh, as to censor it. And oh, that said shit. I had no. I did. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. that's what that means when the exclamation point is in there. It's it's a way of censoring oh. it. So mm. it might have it might have gotten by your uh, email filters or or what have you. Um, the person re- refers to themselves as Howard Duck, which is just fantastic. I'm I'm on board with this whole thing already. Classic. Good time of day, gentlemen. Trigger warning: This email may contain humor, attempted humor, and or jokes very much at your expense. So take it in the spirit it was intended and try not to cry, you cucks. <laughs> I bring you a tale. Of a journey, a journey no older than a fortnight, of how I wound up listening to the entire back catalog of the Nickelback and podcast. It all began when I discovered the Stitcher podcast app. I had previously been consuming podcasts exclusively from YouTube, for I am but a simple man and wary of new technology. Being a bit of a Japanophile, my first stop was a podcast of a fellow Brit, Chris Broad, and his wacky adventures living in Japan. Abroad in Japan podcast, worth a listen. So shout out to uh, Abroad in Japan. But alas, yeah. it was not long before I ran out of episodes and I was left with no auditory stimulation once again. I pondered for a moment as I bl- stared blankly at the screen, but being a huge Nickelback fan, it wasn't long before my chubby digits were smashing their name furiously into the search bar. <laughs> to my surprise. Auditory <laughs> pleasure. Maybe that's a red hot, there's a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers lyric mining to be done in that. Yeah. that chubby sentence. digits is a song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They are huge in the UK. Like I think British fans like them even more than American fans. To my surprise, nay, amazement, right there, the first fucking thing was a little show called Nickelbackin. You might have heard of it. No, wait, you probably haven't, because no one fucking has. Jesus Christ, ever heard of advertising it? (laughs) In my haste to... You found out about it! (laughs) Yeah. All you had to do was search for Nickelback. Uh, with his chubby little fingers. In my haste to press the play button, I may have neglected to read the synopsis of your show. So as you can probably imagine, I was a little disappointed when I realized what it was actually about. With stiff upper lip firmly engaged, I kept listening and made it through the first episode with only minor emotional damage caused. It was only then as episode two began to play that I realized what a mistake I had made and the target of your next onslaught became clear. The beloved actor and star of my favorite movie of all time, Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. You complete and total bastards. Ragging on poor Keanu was just the last straw. How could you evil people hate on such a national, nay, a world treasure like that? And so it began. 
day after day, night after night of literally hate listening to the sorry excuse for a podcast, systematically <laughs> dismantling all of the things while simultaneously burrowing deep into my brain with the promise of a reward, a snippet of Nickelback news at the end of every episode, an album <laughs> review there, the promise of a concert attendance there, which I might add still hasn't happened, you cock-teasing fucks, yeah, we, we've addressed, and then it just stopped. Insert pause for a dramatic effect here. As I frantically checked the app, I was greeted by two horrors. One, the horror that I'd actually started to like this insensitive fucking podcast. And two, you lazy sons of motherless goats haven't put out a new episode in nearly six fucking months. So what's the deal? Where's my mindless hatretainment? And don't give me none of that. We've got personal lives and shit. When you make a commitment to a free podcast, we the people demand to be uploaded consistently come hell or high water because the non-paying customer is always, is always right and shite. But I digress. Keep up the mediocre work and hurry up with some new content. Me and the other three people that actually listen demand it. Oh, and more actual Nickelback content wouldn't go amiss, you false advertising fucks. Much love slash hate. Howard How, Duck. Howard Duck. <laughs> Brilliant. Fuck yeah. Brilliant. Well, hey, man. I, I cannot imagine a better bit of mail to receive, uh, especially as the first ever. Like, that That was just a joy to receive. And uh, I, I won't read the response that I sent out. Um, the recipient uh, has undoubtedly seen it by now, but hopefully they didn't take it too seriously. <laughs> I yeah. think if uh, if Howard Duck is indicative of your fan base, then you guys are doing you're doing pretty well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we should. Uh, um, I, I really appreciated the sense of humor to it. When we do the uh, hidden temple drinking game at a bar, um, we should we should fly that guy out for the game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, I think what we should do is just ensure that he meets Fabrizio. I think that's the most important thing. Oh, we um, should have Fabrizio interview. We should have Fabrizio go to him and interview him. Oh, that would be really and good. We, yeah, we'll we'll have to yeah. uh, reach out and ask for uh, Howard Duck's uh, personal address, and then we'll send we'll send Fabrizio <laughs> over there. Um, for th for those who are unfamiliar, Fabrizio Federico, he is a uh, UK filmmaker. You can check out his work. Um, he has posted it everywhere imaginable, so you can find it there. Great. Cool. Um, it's on my eyeballs. <laughs> I think it's uh, probably about time to put a pin in this thing. Uh, Harris, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, oh, man. no problem. Thanks for having me. I, I like a lot of things that are universally hated, so I'm happy <laughs> to be a guest on future subjects, including Rush. Oh, um, Rush is a good one. Uh, it, people hate Rush? I didn't know that. Marching band. Or prog rock in yeah. general, I think. Prog rock, um, other topics, maybe, uh, you know... Do you happen to like musicals? I'm I'm into some musicals. Love Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, I fucking hate I'll that. Defend musical. that all day. Uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera. I love musicals. I liked Phantom of the Opera a lot better when it was Echoes by Pink Floyd. <laughs> Hot take. Picking up what you're putting down there. I, I definitely Whoa. hear that. Cool, uh, Harris. Do you have anything going on that you want to plug? Um, bear in mind that this episode will probably not see the light of day for a couple of months. Uh, but yeah, I teach uh, ninth grade film at Dobbins High School every day from seven thirty to two thirty. If you guys can make it out <laughs> and you're registered as a ninth grade student at my high school, then you can be in my class. Nice. Um, I'm hoping that we'll be producing. I'm. I am seriously a film teacher. We're going to be producing some some uh, videos and stuff. So you know that that might be something eventually to link to promote the uh, media education of the youth. I know it's important to be able to express yourself with different artistic media and, and film and video is one of them. Podcast is another. I'm going to try to get them going with that. Uh, I don't have a band currently, but I'm a drummer. I live in West Philly. I'm happy to join somebody's Red Hot Chili Peppers cover band. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, Abe, what do you got going on? Uh, nothing really, no. <laughs> uh, working on a new Sun Hat recording. We're hoping to release a four-song EP uh, probably sometime in the spring, seems like. Cool. Uh, yeah. John, how's about nice. you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kind of lame too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and myself, um, I do another podcast called uh, Old Men Yell at Cloud, uh, which you can find wherever uh, people get podcasts. And uh, me and a couple other uh, chuckle fucks sit around and listen to music that we actually like, and then uh, discuss it. And we talk a lot about talk a lot about McDonald's uh, specifically. It's kind of odd. It's become like a thing. Oh, that's weird. Michael yeah. McDonald's? Uh, yes, Michael McDonald. He was the proprietor Do of the restaurant. Do you talk about Michael McDonald on the podcast? Yeah, he's known a lot for his work with, uh, you know, his solo work in the Doobie Brothers and such, but he is also an acclaimed chef. Um, and, and oh. yeah, he's he's come up with some burger recipes, and there there's a bunch of restaurants out there that are, that are slinging those burgers. <laughs> he's the only delicious. one who knows how to make the right kind of crispy fries. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's he's a very good he's a very good fry man, uh, and that's 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 why he has the restaurant legacy that he does. How, that's how I judge a person: Are you a good fry man or not? Yeah. And his fries used to be uh, made in beef tallow, but now they're vegetarian. They're <gasps> vegan. <Yeah. laughs> the look on Abe's face was incredible. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, cool. So I, I think that about does it for us here. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, anyone got any last words? Under the bridge downtown. Okay. Where I drew some blood. Cupzilla. We'll see you later. I don't even know what I'm thinking in it. <laughs> I'm over you. Never go back in. Never go back in. There's a gentleman they may have calling out from Philly. Lils and Patrick are two local musicians from the New England area whose minimal accomplishments have left them thoroughly unqualified to judge bands and artists who have been more successful than they ever could be. And yet, their passion for bad music persists on Jukebox Zeros, the podcast that takes a retrospective look at the worst albums of all time. From The Shags to Attila, from Cyberpunk to Scream, if there's a band that has an album they're ashamed of, Lils and Patrick will be there. Share their love on Jukebox Zeros, now on the Zero Science Network, and wherever podcasts may be found. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.